This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 110. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's topic, are you calling them a liar? Hey, everybody. I hope you're in the middle of a fantastic week and that everything is going your way as always. So today's topic touches on a question that you occasionally hear lawyers asking deponents who disagree with the examiner's own witnesses. And the questions typically sound like this. Are you calling Mr. Williams a liar? Are you saying Ms. Esposito is lying? Are they all lying? Or questions closer to, can you think of any motive they would have to lie? Is what they said true? These questions, which squarely call for one witness to offer opinion testimony on the truthfulness or dishonesty of another witness, implicate several different rules of evidence. Rule 403, titled Excluding Relevant Evidence for Prejudice, Confusion, Waste of Time, or Other Reasons. Rule 602, Need for Personal Knowledge. Rule 608, Witnesses Character for Truthfulness or Untruthfulness. And Rule 701, Opinion Testimony by Lay Witnesses. So what's the scoop? Is this okay? Is it improper? If it's improper, is it automatically reversible error? Or do you have to object in order to preserve your right to exclude the question and the answer? 10 quick bullet points on this topic. The collective weight of authority on whether this kind of question is proper is that it is generally improper to directly ask one witness to testify on the truthfulness of another witness's testimony, to ask one witness to give opinion testimony on whether they believe another witness is telling the truth. And that's so whether the witness is being asked to say that someone is honest or dishonest. But variations on the question appear to be fine, such as whether the deponent has information to show that another witness is mistaken or wrong. Literally phrased exactly that way, do you have any information to suggest that what Ms. Williams said is mistaken or is wrong? This kind of phrasing removes the issue of intent from the question which is necessarily embedded in the question, are you calling them a liar? Because that question assumes that the information, the testimony is not only wrong, but intentionally so, and that's the difference. Next point, asking one witness if another witness is a liar has generally been held not to be per se reversible error, meaning that courts have said generally, this isn't something by itself that will warrant a new trial if the jury hears the question and the answer. There are some cases that say this can be a basis for reversal, but most say no, not standing alone. Cases where a court has vacated convictions or reversed a civil verdict or judgment based on this kind of questioning tend to involve scenarios where determinations of truthfulness and credibility directly pertain to the ultimate issue to be decided by the jury and so where opinion testimony about who's lying may be more prejudicial, especially if the question is being asked repeatedly in front of the jury. So if a lawyer is banging hard on this question in front of the jury, typically over objection, and the case really comes down to who the jury believes, that increases the odds that an outcome against the objecting party will be overturned on appeal. So whether it rises to the level of reversible error will depend on the nature of the specific question and the answer given. And it will also depend on the timing of the question and the answer. 
the extent to which the witness's credibility was attacked, the specificity and timing of a curative instruction, and the importance of the witness's testimony and the vouching to the case overall. Where it's not automatically reversible error, the failure of a lawyer to timely object in deposition or trial is likely to result in waiver unless the circumstances are egregious. And again, the key factor is whether the credibility of the witnesses goes to the heart of the jury's finding in the case. And that's true in a lot of uh, civil and criminal litigation. Next point. This is an issue that has surfaced much more often in criminal cases. And the reason seems to be that criminal defendants are constitutionally entitled to a fair trial. So anything that seems to have tipped the balance in favor of a conviction is viewed with greater scrutiny. Courts that have extended this principle to civil cases say that the rules of evidence, specifically the federal rules of evidence, but which are the model in the majority of state courts, apply with equal force to both civil and criminal proceedings and make no distinction between the two. So what's forbidden in one kind of case under the federal rules of evidence is forbidden in every other kind of case under those same rules. Now, we do have one or two cases in the show notes where courts have said, and I think they're chiefly state court cases, where courts have said uh, this vouching principle does not apply to civil cases, but those cases are very clearly in the minority. All right, so that outlines the basic framework for this principle. There are exceptions to this, such as where a litigant has opened the door to this kind of issue or testimony, or where the rules themselves, specifically uh, Federal Rule of Evidence 608 and its state equivalents, allow such testimony. Bottom line here is that absent application of an exception, a question that squarely asks one deponent to offer opinion testimony about the truthfulness or untruthfulness of another deponent's testimony is generally improper. The better way to approach it is by crafting your question in a way that doesn't directly ask the deponent to tell you whether they believe another deponent has intentionally lied. Example, are you saying they're mistaken? Do you have information to show they're mistaken or wrong? Courts consistently say that's the more appropriate way to confront the issue because witnesses can be wrong without intending to deceive anyone. The First Circuit in the Pereira case in the show notes said that, quote, it is improper for an attorney to ask a witness whether another witness lied, but it's not improper to ask one witness whether another was wrong or mistaken, since such questions do not force a witness to choose between conceding the point or branding another witness as a liar. There is no error in simply asking a witness if he agreed with or disputed another witness's testimony. So that's the best way to approach this. The simplest way, the safest way is to ask the witness if they believe the other witness was mistaken or if they have any information to suggest that the other witness or witnesses were just wrong. And that allows you to feed into the cases that say phrasing it that way is permissible. You can certainly go the other route and use the sharper line of questioning, which is to say, are you calling them liars? But you run the risk, if you do it, of having that question and answer excluded, which is problematic if the witness went beyond a simple yes or no and began to freewheel it with some additional information in the answer that would have benefited you. And if you're defending a deposition and hear this kind of question, it's very important to object 
It is in the nature of a form objection because the problem with the question can be corrected through rephrasing. And we know that the failure to make objections to questions that can be corrected at the time results in waiver of the objection. And that's under Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 32B3B1 and 2. All right, as you know, we always try to stuff our show notes with the research we've done to create an excellent resource for you when you face the issues covered by a particular topic. There are some great cases in the show notes today, both state and federal court rulings. We've also got several applicable rules of evidence and some detailed citations and docket entry numbers for the uh, decision Broyles versus Cantor Fitzgerald, where you can see the filings for and against on this issue. And you can use those uh, as templates to support or oppose a motion in limine to exclude testimony involving this kind of question. The motion in the Broyles case was titled Motion in Limine to Exclude Evidence as to One Witness's Opinion of Another Witness's Testimony. Again, that's in the show notes and they contain specific federal docket information to find the motion in Broyles, the response, the magistrate's report and recommendation, and the district court's order approving the magistrate's report and granting the motion in limine to exclude opinion testimony. Now, I'll close the episode with an extended quote from a federal appellate decision that offers up four or five very distinct reasons as to why were they lying questions are improper. This is from the decision in United States versus Schmidt, and the court said as follows. We hold that it is improper to ask a testifying defendant whether another witness is lying. We come to this conclusion for several reasons. First, the federal rules of evidence do not permit such questions. While Rule 608A permits a witness to testify in the form of opinion or reputation evidence, that another witness has a general character for truthfulness or untruthfulness, that rule does not permit a witness to testify that another witness was truthful or not on a specific occasion. Moreover, the were they lying questions have little or no probative value because they seek an answer beyond the personal knowledge of the witness. And in the context of this discussion, the 11th Circuit cites a case that essentially stands for the proposition that these kinds of questions force a witness to testify as to something they cannot know, which is whether another witness is intentionally seeking to mislead the tribunal. The court goes on to say, the were they lying questions are also not relevant because one witness's opinion that another person has or has not lied does not make it more or less likely that the person actually lied. And the were they lying questions distract juries from the central task of determining what version of events is accurate in order to determine a party's guilt or innocence, liability or not. Second, the court says, were they lying questions invade the province of the jury as credibility determinations are to be made by the jury, not by a testifying witness. Third, uh, the court says, the were they lying questions ignore other possible explanations for inconsistent testimony. Testimony can conflict for many reasons that do not involve a deliberate intent to deceive. There may be lapses in memory, differences in perception, or a genuine misunderstanding. The were they lying questions ignore all of these innocent explanations and put the testifying defendant in a no-win situation. 
they must either accuse another witness of lying or undermine their own version of events. Fourth, the court says, these types of questions are argumentative, and often their primary purpose is to make the party appear accusatory, the witness who's being asked them. The very structure of the question is designed to pit the testifying witness against every other adverse witness, suggesting to the jury that someone is deliberately deceiving the court and the jury must choose the culprit. While the jury must make credibility assessments in reaching their decisions, the were they lying questions do not serve this function, but prejudicially force the witness in question to accuse or not. Even worse, the answer often doesn't matter because the predominant purpose of such questions is to make the accusatory witness look bad. If you've ever been in a deposition where the opposing lawyer asked a deponent this kind of question, are you calling them a liar? Or any variant that directly solicited an opinion on the truthfulness of another witness, it probably struck you intuitively as improper and your intuition was correct. And if you objected on the basis of form, you were correct on both counts. I think we have 14 or 15 cases in the show notes today. As always, keep in mind that many of the sites that host this podcast do not allow unlimited length show notes. So if we talk about a certain number of cases and you don't see them all in the show notes, come up wherever you get your podcast, click through to our homepage and you'll find the entire set of show notes there. I hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening.